0: Hi, everyone. This is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through his word for his people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship him and take his message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I invite you to find your Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. As you're turning there, a small boy once said, Father's Day, it's just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on the gift. To which I say, like many of you might say, what gift, right? Yeah. It was Mark Twain who said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21... I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in just seven years, and maybe some of these words these are words that most dads have said at some time or another to our children. See if you recognize any of these. The first one was, "This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you quiet i 'm watching the ball game. You better bring me back all of the change. How should I know? Go ask your mother i 'm not made out of money." When I was your age, I walked five miles to school uphill both ways in the snow. You're going, and you're going to have fun. Who's paying the bills around here anyway? If you break your leg, don't come running to me. Don't put your feet on that furniture. Your mother is going to kill you. Quit playing with your food. Be quiet. Can't you see I'm trying to think? Why? Because I said so. If you don't quit that, I'm going to call your mother. You better get that junk picked up before your mother comes home. Just wait till you have your own kids. This was for you, Everett. I wasn't asleep. I was just resting my eyes. I suspect you all could probably add a few of those quotes to that list that you've made or your parents have made to you throughout the years. Understand, parents, know that being a parent, being a father, can be an interesting and a trying experience. Parents, you spend the first part of your child's life, urging them, you're teaching them to walk and talk. And then you spend the rest of their childhood telling them to sit down and, sh- okay, be quiet. A father said to his teenage son, do you mind if I use the car tonight? You see, I'm taking your mother out to eat and I really like to impress her. A father said to his daughter, what's wrong, dear? Usually you're talking the phone for hours. This time you were only on the phone for 30 minutes. How come? To which the daughter replied, well, dad, it was the wrong number. A son wrote home to his dad and said this. He said, Dear Dad, please let me hear from you more often, even if it's only a 5 or a 10. Parenting, fatherhood, they can certainly be a real trial, but yet they are also a real blessing. Friends, we're here today to remember the Lord, our Heavenly Father, but to also honor our earthly fathers. Because you see, both of those are required. We're going to lead into our key passage for this morning. Please stand in honor of reading God's Word. We're going to read just one verse this morning from Joshua chapter 24. It's verse 15. And this, it should be an anthem for anyone, to any man who has a child, anyone who is called dad. It says this, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And dads, it's this last part that should be your family motto. This is what it says. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. Lord, I pray that you will allow this text and the other scriptures we look at to come alive for us today. To help us understand how to apply them to our lives. To help us understand how we can be the dads who make a difference in the lives of our children. Be with us today, God. We just ask you for your presence among us. In your name we pray. And all God's children said Amen. You may be seated. Let me begin by saying this. Dads, I encourage you to keep up the good work while our wives, the women in our lives, while they may be doing a whole lot of things right, they just can't do it all alone. In fact, there are some things that they cannot do. And that's teach a boy how to be a man. And only a man can do that. Similarly, I believe a young girl needs a man in her life called dad to help her learn how to relate to other men and how to model for her what a decent husband should look like. And it takes a man to do that. So dad, you're important to the development and the growth of your children and you help to kind of bring balance and stability into the home. Think about it this way, when a father is missing from the home, from the family, or when a dad, when he's just not involved in the life of the children, it leaves in that heart of that child, it leaves a void and an emptiness that no other man can fill. Plus, when a dad is missing, I've got to say the future well-being of that family is severely compromised. I say that because, you see, a father, a father is more than just a male parent. God has mandated the father to be the patriarch of the family, the priest, the chief planner, a protector, a provider, the one who who really pulls and keeps the family together. Fathers, we may not have it all together, but I believe that most of us were trying. We're trying the best we can. So the task before me today is simple. It's to encourage you and to lift up these men, our dads, those that are striving to be the kinds of dad that God mandates us to be. Think of it this way. Today and nearly every day, there's a large percentage of children right here, even in our country under the age of 18, that will eat dinner tonight in a home where the father won't be sitting at the table with them. Not because they're at work. Not because they're simply away, but because they're absent from their lives. So today, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you this morning. Stay involved with your kids. Because when dads are involved, it makes a difference in the life of those children and in their home. And I encourage you through this sermon today. A sermon I've entitled, Dads Who Make a Difference. If fathers, if we're going to make a difference in the lives of our children, then we must Stay involved in their life. This morning, we're going to look at three things. Three things about dads who make a difference. Three things that you should do to make a difference. The first is this. Dads who make a difference. They provide through material provision. Look with me at 1 Timothy five eight. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow, that's a powerful verse right there. If a father, if he doesn't provide materially for his family, and that's things like food and clothing and shelter, then what does it say? He has denied his faith in Christ. And he's worse than what? He's worse than an unbeliever. Now, why would that father be worse than an unbeliever? It's because even an unbeliever, okay, most unbelievers, they provide for their families as well. My dad, he passed away back in 2008. If he was alive today, he'd be like 81 or something like that. My dad, he worked in a factory most of his life. He worked on a line of some kind. And then later on, he became a foreman of the line. There were many years I remember he was working two jobs to help ends meet in the family budget. Daddy didn't make much money, but we always had food on the table. We had clothes to wear. We had a roof over our heads. The old houses we lived in, they weren't much, but we didn't care. They certainly weren't anything fancy, but it was home. Dad always took us boys to Ruth's barber shop when it was time to get our haircuts. He paid for the haircuts, and when money got tight, out came the clippers sitting on the chair, and zip, around it went. Hair came off eerily, much like it does today. But hey, it was summertime, and it was cool. For a long time, we only had one car. It was an old 1969 American Motors Rebel station wagon. Any of you remember those things? They were huge. I think it was as long as this bench up here. If you remember that, it was a beast. And if you do remember that, you're dating yourself, because that was an old car. Then later on, we went big time. You see, my dad, he went out and he bought another American Motors car. This time, we went all the way up to the Concorde. Woohoo! right? But see... That's all we could afford. Now, did I think that my dad provided for us, for me and for my family? Sure I did. I honestly don't remember missing out on much of anything growing up. But what about your dad? What about him? Did he provide for you? Now, probably he did. And if he's still alive, you need to thank him for it. Or at least give God thanks for putting him in your life, for allowing him to be your dad You know, I read a story this week as I was studying up for this message today. It was a story that I believe it helps us understand this point. R.C., he grew up in Kentucky, and he married a Kansas girl. And they settled down in Indian Territory, which later became Oklahoma. He had 16 children. It never occurred to him that the government should take care of his family. That was his responsibility. His poverty didn't discourage him from the personal pride he took for caring for his own family. He raised his children without the benefit of electricity or running water. He died never ever having a driver's license. His children, nevertheless, they grew up to be hardworking, patriotic, and devout kids. I'm confident that in spite of his poverty, he did a better job of providing for his family than the government ever could have. Thank God for all the fathers in the world today who provide as best they can for their families. Thank you, fathers. If you're a dad, a dad who makes a difference in the lives of your children, thank you. The second action of dads who make a difference. They provide through faithful instruction. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I want to look at a couple more translations of this to help us really understand. Let's look at the CEV translation. It says, Parents, do not be hard on your children. Raise them properly. Teach them and instruct them about the Lord. One last translation, the Living Bible. Look what it says. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up in the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. Fathers, I've just got to say, you instruct your children on so many things in life. My dad, I've got to tell you, he used to say to me all the time, Brett, you better pay attention to what you're doing. Now, for some reason, he always thought he had to say that to me. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why he would have to say that. As our kids were growing up, I'd tell them all the time, don't be afraid to ask questions. You'll never learn anything if you don't ask questions. And like many parents, I'm sure that I've said before, I don't care if everyone else is doing it, you're not going to. As fathers, we all give our children instruction. We give them advice about school, about work, about relationships, about dating, about driving a car, and so many things. As I think back about my growing up, more memorable than my household responsibilities were the endless streams of correction which came my way. I've got to say that my father, he never ever stopped correcting me. Like many, I gave reverence to my earthly father. You see, I was afraid not to. If I did something wrong, he'd either pull off that belt and he'd take it to me, or hidden in one of the closets was a thing called the board of education. It was about that tall, about that wide, and about that thin. It had a nice little grip on it, and they could swing it pretty good. If I tried to do anything to disobey him, I'd get one of the two. He tried to teach me anything and everything that would help me out in the world in which I was going out into. I was thumped what seemed like a thousand times. I was told so often, straighten up. He'd always insist I'd take my elbows off the table, chew my food, stop eating like an animal. He never hesitated to tell me to wash my hands, clean my face, comb my hair, brush my teeth, tuck in my shirt, tie my shoelaces. Sometimes he'd say things like, you act like you fell out a tree on your head. Or worse yet, he'd say something like, well, you'd have to go to summer school before they'd even let you into the insane asylum. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for each lesson learned along the way. Thankful that he wanted to be a dad who made a difference. There's a man named Jim Burton, and he relates this story. He said this. He said, when I was young, baseball was my life. He said, you can imagine the excitement that I felt in my life when my oldest son began playing baseball. This game would be one of our main bonding mechanisms. If my son, if he would just listen to me, I could help him be the greatest baseball player ever. Learning to read curveballs, shift his body weight with a swing, steal bases, turn double plays. These were the things that separated the amateurs from the pros. He said a pattern started to develop in our relationship because of my familiarity with the game. I saw every mistake that my son was making. In addition, I knew how to correct them. So what began happening on the post-game drive home, I began to critique on how to improve his game. It got so old for my son. One night, my son finally said to me, he said, Dad, could you not start by telling me everything I did wrong and tell me what I did right first? Friends, faithful instruction is important, but we have to be careful how we deliver it. You see, all criticism and no praise is not good. Dad, let me ask you, are you a coach of your children, or are you a critic of your children? You see, a good father is a coach. I hope yours was, and I pray that you are as well. Remember what Paul said to us in Ephesians 6:4? He said, do not keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Here's a sad confession of one father. This is what he said. He said, I took my son to school, but never to church. I taught them how to drink, but not of the living water. I enrolled them in Little League, but not in Sunday school. I showed them how to fish, but not be a fisher of men. I made the Lord's day a holiday, never a holy day. I taught them the church was full of hypocrites and made a greater hypocrite of them and me. I gave them a color TV, but provided them no Bible. I handed them the keys to the car, but I didn't ever give them the key to the kingdom of God. I taught them how to make a living, but I failed to bring them to the one to Christ who alone can make a life. Friends, you need to thank your father. Thank him for the faithful instruction that he gave you for life, for all the good advice that he's given, especially if it included instruction in the Lord. Dads who make a difference, they provide through material provision. They provide through faithful instruction. We're going to close this morning looking at dads who make a difference. They do so through godly illustration. And by this, what I mean by godly illustration is this. You're an illustration for life or you're a godly example for life. In 1 Corinthians 11:1, Paul said, and this was to the Corinthians who were his children in the faith. He said, you must follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, please notice here, Paul didn't say what? He didn't say, do everything I do, did he? That's not what he said there. He said, do everything I do which is Christ-like. Or as it said, follow the example of Christ. Paul, he wasn't perfect. And face it, neither are we. None of us are perfect. Church, there are some things that I've done in my life, things that I don't want my children to do. I'm sorry when I've given them a bad example, but I've also done some good things in life. I've done some godly things in life, and I've done some Christ-like things as well. Those things which I hope that they'll copy from my life. But the most important thing is this. Teach your kids about loving people. It's all about loving people. What does that look like? A man shared when I was a teenager. My dad, he would come into my room and he'd say, come on, son, let's go. I'd say, where to? He'd say, Lucy's. You see, once a month, Dad, he would visit Lucy Buchko. She was a woman who was twisted and pinned to a wheelchair by arthritis. He would reach his big arms around her frail body, lift her up out of her wheelchair, and place her in the front seat of our station wagon. Then he would fold up her wheelchair and throw it in the back. And then he'd take Lucy on down to the monthly communion service for the shut-ins. Now understand, he said, my dad, he was a vice president of a publishing company, but he also shuttled shut-ins. Later, while in the hospital trying to recover from a massive heart attack, Dad, he found out a family down the street didn't have enough money to buy groceries. So what did he do? He wrote him a check. It was the last thing that he ever wrote, and it left a lasting impression. Friends, all I can say is what a father that man was. What a great illustration of Christ he was to his son. Here's another example. One man said, when I was a teenager, my father and I, we were standing in line to buy tickets to the circus. He said, finally, we were just one family away from the ticket counter, and there was one family in front of us, and this family left a big impression on me. There were eight children, all probably under the age of 12. You could tell that they didn't have a lot of money. Their clothes, they weren't expensive, but they were clean. The children, they were well-behaved. They were all standing in line, two by two, right behind the parents. They were all holding hands. They were excitedly jabbering about the clowns, the elephants, and the other acts that they were going to see that night. One could sense that they've never been to a circus before. It promised to be the highlight of their young lives. The father and mother, they were standing in the head of the pack. They were proudly standing there, proud as they could be. The mother, she was holding her husband's hand, looking at him as if to say, you're my knight in shining armor. He was smiling and basking in pride, looking at her. Finally, they got up to the counter. The ticket lady asked the father how many tickets he wanted. He proudly said, please let me buy eight children's tickets and two adult tickets so I can take my family to the circus. The ticket lady gave him the price. The man's wife let go of his hand. Her chin dropped. The father's lip began to quiver. The father leaned a little closer and said, how much did you say? The ticket lady again quoted the price. You see, the man, he didn't have enough money. How was he supposed to turn and tell these kids, these eight kids, that he didn't have enough money to take them to the circus? Seeing what was going on, he said, my daddy put his hand in his pocket and he pulled out a $20 bill and he dropped it on the ground. He said, now understand, we were not wealthy in any sense of the word, but my father, he said, reached down and he picked up that $20 bill. He tapped that man on his shoulder and he said, excuse me, sir, but I believe this fell out of your pocket. Now, the man knew exactly what was going on. He wasn't begging for a handout, but he appreciated the help in a desperate, heartbreaking, and embarrassing situation. He looked straight into my father's eyes. He took my dad's hands in both of his. He squeezed tightly onto that $20 bill, and with a quivering lip, he said, with tears of streams running down his cheek, thank you, thank you. This really means a lot to me and my family. Friends, the man telling the story about his father said this. He said, my father and I, We had to go back home that night. We went back to the car and we drove home. We didn't get a chance to go to the circus that night. But, he said, we didn't go without. What a father that man was. What a godly illustration of Christ he was to his son. Dad, why is it so important for you to be engaged with your children Because newborns, newborns who bond with their fathers are more likely to successfully breastfeed, which comes with many health benefits. Because infants who have involved fathers in the first 18 to 24 months of their lives, they are more curious and more likely to explore the world with enthusiasm. Because babies whose fathers are positively involved in their care, they are more secure, they are less anxious, and they are more resilient under stress. Because toddlers with involved dads, they tend to demonstrate stronger language skills. Because children who have close involvement from both parents, they show stronger cognitive and motor skills as they grow. Because children who receive lots of affection from their dad will have a more secure relationship with him as the years go on. Because children whose fathers are involved in their life, they are more likely to be emotionally secure, confident to explore their surroundings, and have a better social connection with their peers. Because men who are involved with their children, they feel more confident and effective as a parent or a caregiver. They find parenthood more enjoyable. They feel more important to their child, and they feel encouraged to stay involved with them. Because... When fathers, when they are involved in their children's everyday activities, eating meals together, reading and helping with homework, playing games with them, children tend to have fewer behavioral difficulties and better social skills. Because how a father feels about being a dad, how he cares for his children, has a large influence on that child's social and emotional development. Children whose fathers feel good about being a dad and who are sensitive and responsive to their needs tend to have a better social and emotional skill set. It was in the movie Overboard. A man, if you ever saw that movie, he tricked a woman with amnesia into thinking that she was his wife and the mother of four children. Now, in that movie, Annie, who was the mother, she gets fed up with a husband for not spending time with the children. If you saw the movie, do you remember what he said? He said, well, he's the pal of his kids, and he's the one that brings home the paycheck, which is what a man of a house is supposed to do. And what was Annie's response? She said this. She said, your children have pals. What they need is a father. And she's so right. For so many years, experts told fathers that bringing home the paycheck is what you need to do. Leave the parenting to mom. That was the most important example that you could set for your family. But now, new research has shown that having a loving and nurturing father is just as valuable as having a loving and nurturing mother for that child's happiness, for their well-being, for their social and academic success. You see, it's not just about bringing home the bacon. Look, if you really want to connect with your children, try these tips. First thing is this, respect your child's mother. If you're married, what this means is you keep your marriage strong. If you're not married to your child's mother, let me tell you, it's still important for you to respect and support her in the parenting role. Parents who respect each other, they're better able to provide a secure environment for their children. Second is this. Spend time with your children. I'll say this over and over again. How do children spell love? T-I-M-E. Your time is the best way for you to show love to your children. Treasuring children, it often means sacrificing other things. Things that maybe you want to do, but you sacrifice them to spend time with your kids because it is essential. Understand that if you miss an opportunity, you lose that opportunity forever. It'll never come back again. Third is this. Talk to your children. Now in today's age of social media and texting and all that, this is a very novel concept today. Talk to your children because too frequently, dads, they'll only speak to their kids when they do what? When they've done something wrong. Take time. Time to listen to their problems. Listen to their ideas that they have while they're young. And if you do that, guess what? When they get older, they'll still want to talk to you. Fourth one is this. Discipline with love. We talked for four weeks before this about this topic right here. And I hope you understand that children need guidance and discipline, not as punishment, but to set up those reasonable limits in life. When you discipline in a calm and a fair manner, you show love to your child, your love for them. The fifth one is this, be a role model. A girl who spends time with a loving father grows up knowing that she deserves to be treated with respect and she knows what to look for in a husband. Fathers can teach sons what's important in life by demonstrating honesty and responsibility. Sixth is this, be a teacher. Teaching your children about the right and the wrong things of life and encouraging them to do their best. That you do that and you will likely see them make good choices in life. Use everyday examples if you can to help them, help your children learn the basics of life. And lastly is this, show affection. Children need the security that comes from knowing that their family wants them, accepts them, and loves them. Show appropriate affection to them Every single day. It's the best way to let your children know that you love them. Love them all. Which is why, Elena, I'll never stop saying, I love you, baby. As much as you roll your eyes at me, it's still going to come. We must all thank God for all fathers who have been godly illustrations, godly examples for us to follow. I pray that your children, that they have or, or over time they will have stories to tell of you as they recall their life, they recall the experience they had with a dad who makes a difference. Let me close with this. This is a son's letter. Really, it's a poem that he wrote for his dad. This is what it said. There are so many things I'd like to tell you face to face. I either lack the words or fail to find the time and place. But in this special letter, dad, you'll find at least in part the feelings that the passing years have left within my heart. The memories of childhood days and all that you have done to make our home a happy place and growing up such fun. I still recall the walks we took, the games we often played, those confidential chats we had while resting in the shade. This letter comes to thank you and for needed words of praise, the counsel and the guidance, too, that shaped my grown-up days. No words of mine can tell you, Dad, the things I really feel, but you must know my love for you is lasting, warm, and real. You made my world a better place, and through the coming years, I'll keep these memories of you as cherished souvenirs. Dads, dads who make a difference, thank you, because honestly, you do make a difference. Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you have any questions, or you need to make any decisions, or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620. 620- Three three We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed. And thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast and have a blessed day.